Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson and I ask my guests one simple question, why? Focusing on the importance of why, I share with you the relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations I have with people from all walks of life. This podcast will encourage you to focus on your why to enable and empower you to achieve the success you desire. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. Today on the Focus on My podcast, I am joined by Simon Day. Simon, a very warm welcome to you. Amy, it's a privilege to be with you. I've been looking forward to this ever since we first arranged it. So uh, thank you for the honour of joining you. Well, we're, we're a pod swap. We've, we've been involved in a pod swap, which is great. I love doing pod swapping with fellow podcasters. So why don't you share with, with everybody what your podcast is called? It's called the Simon Speaks podcast. And uh, I set it up about 18 months ago, initially with the idea of just sharing some ideas around public speaking and communication because that's the, the the area I specialize in and something I, I'd always been frightened of. So just set it up with the idea of sharing some tips. But but over the course of lockdown, it's very much evolved into more of a motivation and self-help podcast where people share their stories, their triumphs over adversity, any any life and business lessons. And I've just loved being able to interview other people and, and see where it's gone. So Really enjoyed the journey so far, and uh, and like you, just curious to see where where it goes. Absolutely. So, podcasting is not your main area. What is it that you're up to at the moment? So, I don't have a mask or a cape or a telephone box in which I change. But by day, I'm a deputy head of English at a secondary academy in Leeds. That's my main profession. And uh, by night and weekend and school holiday, I'm a, a public speaking and communications coach. So, I work with individuals and organisations to help their client-facing employees overcome anxiety, fear around communication, public speaking, especially now that we've moved online. Uh, and I help people craft their message and learn how to deliver it with, with real impact and, and sincerity so that they can build those meaningful relationships and get the outcomes that they're looking for, for their personal and professional relationships and their businesses. And you talk of fear and of being frightened of speaking. What was all that about? It really starts at high school. I was never the most confident child growing up. It was probably something to do with my pale ginger complexion and uh, the natural opposition that that brought when I was a teenager. But I, I got to the last year of high school and, and I got to a situation where I was asked to present in an assembly in front of all of my year 11 peers and, and teachers. And obviously trying to salvage some reputation as a teenager, that's not the thing you want to do. You don't want to be noticed or stand out in any way and uh, it ended up being me it was the longest 10 minutes of my life I, I just remember crumbling on the stage not being able to put my sentences together or even breathe properly because I was was really anxious and nervous about it but I, I'd heard of stage fright before I assumed that this was something that happened when you were getting used to something and you would just get more confident over time uh, that when you leave school there was this magic moment where you just discovered how to talk to people and, and life went on and sadly, it got worse. I, I realized that my professional and personal and social relationships were really starting to suffer because every time I got put into a situation where I was due to talk to somebody, I, I got really anxious about it. And it eventually led to me quitting my first job. I was working in a, a marketing agency where I was doing all the website design and the, the marketing campaigns and, and the sales director came over and said, we're going to be moving you onto the phones next week because we need more support on the on the sales team. Well, that was it. I was I was so terrified by that concept of picking up the phone and talking to somebody I couldn't see and 
I decided to quit the job and I left uh, and I cited personal reasons as the reason that I decided to leave, but I couldn't be honest with anybody about the level of anxiety that I was feeling. And I was newly married at the time to a, to a wonderful woman, uh, Laura, who's uh, also an introvert. So we, we sometimes don't speak much in our house, <laughs> but, but we, uh, we sat down one evening and, and I just remember feeling so low because I was at a point in my life where I realized that my marriage, my career, my future prospects were in jeopardy because if you can't communicate with anyone, you can't get access to any opportunities or any meaningful relationships. And she turned to me and she said something I've never forgotten. And she said that if this is a long journey or a short one, however difficult it is, I chose to come on this journey with you and I will be here and I will support you. And those were the words I needed. Uh, so I decided to get on and do something about what I was struggling with because I knew that somebody had trust and faith in me more so than I had in myself at that point. So I started devouring books and videos, went to speaking clubs, just sat at the back quietly and didn't say anything, just took notes, just tried to get every opportunity I was ready for to try and work out why I was struggling and why I was feeling so anxious and learned a few tips and principles. And finally went to a, a Toastmasters meeting for the first time and a, a chap called uh, Peter and a chap called Paul, not the birds, but two actual people, came up to me and uh, and asked me why I was there and I, I managed to tell them and uh, they invited me to just introduce myself at the meeting just to say hello. Well, that was terrifying enough as it was, but I managed to stand up and blurt out who I was and why I was there. And Peter came up to me after the meeting and he, he didn't give me any feedback. He didn't give me anything else. He just looked at me and he just said, I'm proud of you because he recognized how much that had taken out of me just to be able to make that first step and talk to people. And I gradually went back and kept getting that support, that encouragement that we're proud of you, keep going. And eventually I got to a point where I was able to talk for one minute and then two minutes and then five minutes. And then there was this contest in 2019 and I entered and I thought, I want to see how far I can go. Now that I've got to a point where I can stand up and talk, I want to see what I can do with it. So I entered the UK contest for speech evaluation, which is essentially listening to a speech, giving feedback to the speaker and uh, became UK champion, just talking to people, just giving feedback to other speakers. And that was a real milestone in my journey. It was a point that I realized that I'd overcome something of a fear and now I could use it to help others. And so I continued trying to help others and eventually joined the, the professional speaking association and entered their UK final in, in the same year in October. So this was about 18 months ago. And again, got to the, the UK final and thought this, this is really something now. If, if I can unearth this passion for speaking, then who can I help? Who can I serve? Who's on that journey, but perhaps struggling as I was struggling. And my life ever since has been wonderfully enriched by conversations with either people who have gone far beyond what I am now and I'm learning from them and also having the opportunity to coach and inspire and work with people who are struggling. And I just find such joy and fulfillment in that journey of, of being inspired and then inspiring. And it's just this really ennobling cycle that I love to, to go through. And it makes me feel like I've, I have a reason for being. So this is your sort of by weekend holidays and evening pursuit and, and passion and, and you're sort of almost turning it into a, a profession as well if, if not already you have done 
what was the turning point? You mentioned then the, the win, you, you felt that sort of external validation, but what was a turning point for you personally from an internal perspective? When I first joined Toastmasters in, in 2015, I was about six, six or nine months into my journey. And our son, Elias, was born in January 2016. So it was about six months after I joined Toastmasters. And I just got comfortable in speaking to people. I just got comfortable standing up, introducing myself, giving a short speech, maybe three or five minutes. We went to the hospital when Elias was, was born in, in January 2016. And without going into to all of the detail, because I don't think this is the, the time or the place, but there were some quite severe complications around his birth that nearly resulted in me losing both my wife and my son in that moment. And you're never quite ready for that. And it was a, a time in my life where having just learned how to talk to people, I stopped again. And for probably three or six months, I really was in survival mode because I was trying to process what on earth had happened to us and was just beaten because I'd, I'd faced the thought in my own mind of, of trying to raise my son without a wife or walk out of the hospital without a wife and a child. And I couldn't bring myself to reconcile what I'd been going through in my own mind. And I didn't really talk to somebody about that for probably three or four months after, after Elias was born until somebody at work came up to me and, and found me in my classroom after school one day, just despondent. And he said to me, you need to go and talk to somebody. He said, take it from me. I know enough about these things to know that if you don't go and talk to somebody, it's going to damage the rest of your life or you might not get a rest of your life. And he said it to me in those blunt terms. And it, and it shook me to a point where I had to say to myself, I've got to learn to talk to people all over again, or I'm going to live the rest of my life in the shadows or possibly become quite a chilling statistic. So I managed to look around and find myself a, a carefully chosen professional counsellor. And it was in those months of having a conversation with that wonderful counsellor that I came to a realisation of the power that conversations can have. And those conversations saved me. And I don't say that lightly. They saved me. And I was then able to talk to my wife a little bit more openly because obviously she'd been unconscious for a, a couple of days. So she had no idea what happened. I was able to, to really tell her some of the feelings that I'd had and, and what that was like. And gradually I came to realize that, again, there were other people, other men who, who were battling fatherhood and, and the inadequacy that comes with being a father and a husband and an employee and everything else and I realized again that I wasn't on my own and I found strength in having conversations and I think there is immense power in people and there's immense goodness in people if only they know how to help you but but as I've heard from some good speaker friends of mine recently people don't know you're drowning if you don't tell them you're in the pool and it was a case of me telling people I was in the pool and I was drowning and they were able to pull me out. And so now I, I like to think of it as sort of a sort of a pay it forward kind of way. But but now I'm in a position where I've developed strength from the people around me and now want to pay that strength on to people who are struggling. And it, it's such a rewarding thing to be part of because you get to see firsthand the 
hallmark that you leave on, on somebody else's life. And I'm sure this is something you've experienced as well when you have that conversation with somebody and they say, that's just what I needed. Or they, they go on to that next step and they say, well, that wasn't as bad as I was expecting. And I was brave and thank you for helping me. There are no words like that that you can hear that just give you a sense of your own value in the world than to hear that from somebody else. And that's why I do what I do. Yeah, and it's so powerful hearing how you lost your voice and, and found your voice. Is your inner dialogue chatty? My inner dialogue is often very self-critical. Uh, I'm, I'm a member of the Day family, which inherently means I'm a perfectionist. Uh, my grandfather was, my father definitely is, and, and I've inherited that. So I have incredibly high self-expectations. And a lot of the coaching I do is around moderating those expectations and making sure that we uh, are expecting reasonable demands of ourselves for the point of our journey that we're at. And it's a case of practice what you preach. And sometimes I'm not very good at practicing what I preach. And so my, my inner dialogue can be very hard on, on myself, but it's only because I recognize that I am, I am, I am fortunate to have, have got to the position where I am in terms of that I've worked through some of the challenges I've had and have learned some valuable lessons that I, I now want to share with other people. And so I, I push myself to really give the best of myself in everything I do, because central to everything I do is, is my wife and children. Uh, I want them to have the best life they can have because of the faith and confidence that they've, they've placed in me. And having had a moment in my life where I contemplated losing them, that really does place immense value on, on their existence in my life on a daily basis. And so I think that's part of the reason why I push myself so hard is because I want to give them the best because I know how fragile life is and life can be. And, and while ever I've got time and energy and vitality to do the things that I love to do, I will keep doing them. And you said that you don't change into a cape by sort of day and night, but you do have an incredible role that you play both day and night. Tell us about what you're doing during the day. So during the day, I, I work in, a, in an inner city academy in Leeds uh, as a deputy head of English. And I've worked in schools now for eight years in a number of roles, starting in a support capacity, gradually qualifying as an English teacher three years ago. And I love teaching. Uh, I love young people. I think they are some of the most rewarding people to work with some of the most challenging people to work with but the the school that I work in is is in an incredibly disadvantaged area uh, socioeconomic deprivation and and lots of barriers around um, social care and and opposition from parents and, and lack of education in the home so we have all sorts of challenges that we that we deal with here uh, including language barriers nearly three quarters of our students don't speak English as a first language. Um, and the school itself has 72 languages spoken amongst 980 students. So it's an extraordinary cultural mix. And trying to teach English as a subject is challenging enough without all of those additional barriers. But I, I, don't, I don't do any other type of school. I've always worked in challenging schools. I've always worked with students who have uh, additional challenges and, and needs. But again, that brings with it heightened levels of, of reward. And sometimes that's just a student saying, thank you, sir, end of a lesson, or that's a student saying, oh, I get that now. 
and and it's those moments that you live for and you know to, to, you only have to go on twitter to to see that teaching is a pretty thankless job uh, from from the community at large or, or from some some of the students but but I, I love it because again you get to directly see that transformation that happens over a period of time as you invest in somebody and as they invest in what you're sharing with them and so whatever capacity it's in i'll always teach i'll always coach i'll always work with individuals because once you've had a taste of that real impact you can have in somebody's life, uh, it, it's it's dopamine. It's a drug. You you can't you can't not have it. So, whatever way I find it, I will always work with people and try to make their lives better because it's just what I love to do. If I don't become great myself, but I help other people become great, that's good enough for me. And communication is central to everything you're doing. How does it? impact to you you mentioned right at the beginning that you're you're an introvert your wife's an introvert and you, you you even sort of quipped that you there's not much conversation in the house but there must be communication in some form how does it play out I think we're we're getting better at it but but it's something that we have to work on and and even having been married for what is it eight years now then you still learn about each other and you still work out things, and especially when when you're both introverts, when we struggle or we feel anxious or we feel upset, we, we don't vocalize it, we'll go quiet. So if somebody goes quiet, there's this almost like mystery to try and work out what it is. And so sometimes it'll be an hour or two hours of, of somebody being a bit quiet while you think to yourself, what did I do? What did I say? Why are they feeling? And you, and you put it on yourself and you blame yourself and then eventually you'll pluck up the courage to ask and then it'll be oh no it's just this other thing and and you've already gone through a whole dialogue in your head and all of a sudden you go oh that's not the conversation I was planning to have okay fine but it's very interesting because you, you've got to pick up on the non-verbal cues as well uh, sometimes just a look in the eyes a facial expression the body language and uh, it, it's it's a fascinating thing to, to be part of but we're getting better at it um, my wife now knows that if I go quiet, it's either because I'm very tired or there's something happened outside the house. And she, she's gone through that whole stage of blaming herself and, and she'll feel very upset and very uh, personal about it. But then we've got to the stage now where when she asks me, I'll simply just say to her, it's nothing here. It's not you. I just need a couple of hours. And, and then I, when I've processed it, I'll, I'll come and talk to you. And, and then I do and we, we resolve it. So we, we're getting better at that because it used to be that there was conflict there because she was worried about blaming herself and I didn't want to talk about it but now I'm able to just say I need to process this just give me a little bit of time and she feels okay because she knows it's not a problem with her and then a couple of hours later we'll talk and and that's how we make it work but everybody's different and everybody deals with it in in their own way but I think the principle from that is that it's absolutely fine to still be learning about the people even the people that are closest to you and continually find new ways to communicate and new ways to, to to make it work. We found a way that works for us, but other people think it's madness. Why don't you just say it? Well, when you're introverts and you, you feel the emotion attached to it, it's not always easy to articulate because if you do just blurt out and say it, you could say it in the wrong way and then you cause even more of a problem. So we've, found, we've worked it in a way that, that works for us and we found that, but other people will have completely different methods and that's absolutely fine. And something that I'm, I'm intrigued by is you mentioned that you had to resign from a position because you 
didn't want to answer the phone. How do you then find yourself as deputy head teacher of a, a challenging school and teaching English? How does that even work? Gradually. So there's there's fear at one end of the spectrum. There's confidence at the other end of the spectrum and everything in between is courage. And what people don't recognize is the courage bit. People see confident people and go, how on earth did that happen? Well, it happened because of courageous decision after courageous decision. So very briefly, I left that job in 2012. Late 2013, I started a job as a teaching assistant <clears throat> entry level in a, in a secondary academy in, in Leeds. And that was working with individual young people who were prioritized as needing literacy and numeracy intervention. So I had a little portfolio. I organized the timetables. I ran the intervention sessions with these individual students. And learning more about those students and their background, I realized that I thought I had challenges and those young people had real challenges. And they really humbled me and taught me that if they could just turn up at school with some of the challenges they were facing, I could learn to talk to people. So it was really the young people that started to change me. So I went from there and, and gradually moved to another position in Bradford at another challenging school where I took on a little bit more responsibility for small group work and occasionally covered the odd class. And that went on for about three years. And then I went, okay, time to do teacher training. So I applied and, and got myself a position. And again, that was then with the support of another teacher taking maybe eight to 10 hours a week of teaching peaking at about 14 to 16 by the end of the training year and then did my newly qualified teaching year which was really tough because that was you were left to yourself off you go 20 hours a week 25 hours a week I did that for a year and then went back to the school at Bradford for another year as a fully qualified second year teacher and then I've just taken on this this most recent position as a second in English uh, September just gone but it's working with somebody that I've worked with for, for seven years Ali's wonderful she's my head of department I've known her since the first school I worked at. So we've known each other eight years. We get on really well. And I found out the position was open to work at her side. And, and I jumped in and said, I have to apply for this. And very fortunately, I was, I was given the position. But everything that's happened in between those eight years, whether it's at Toastmasters learning to speak, whether it's in professional speaking association, whether it's in school, whether it's putting out a message on Facebook saying, would anybody in the professional speaking association like to come on my tiny podcast? Every single one of those decisions took courage. And I remember pressing send on that message before Christmas to the PSA and saying to my wife, this is terrifying. I'm, I'm asking people of extremely high caliber to come on my podcast. And, and the gracious responses I got blew me away. And, and every most interview I've had since have been because of, of that one conversation, that one request. So my one word of advice to somebody would be, if you see somebody that's confident now, Think about how much courage it took to get there. And, and I will always say to people, I'm, I'm the product of not the right, uh, I wasn't born this way. I, I was, I, it's good hard graft and it's a lot of experiences and it's a lot of self-doubt and it's a lot of courage and it's a lot of good feedback. And it's just been the tenacity to just keep sticking at it, keep learning. And, and there's no shortcut and I can't offer you a shortcut, but it's, it's just day by day, decision by decision. Well, it's it's wonderful to see, and and you are very good at it. it. I absolutely love listening to your podcast, and it's not a tiny podcast at all. It's fantastic. <laughs> don't, don't belittle it in any shape or form, because you know what you're offering, and and you say it, you say it yourself that there are always people who are a few steps behind on this 
step from not understanding that they may be fearful and what they need to do to, to get towards that confidence level. And yeah, absolutely. Those steps of everyday courage that they're taking. And I've seen in Clubhouse how you've been encouraging people to take those steps as well. Yeah, I, I don't mind the smaller rooms. You know, sometimes on Clubhouse, when I, when I do those rooms, it's sometimes 10, 15, 20 people. But if it's the people that just need that bit of courage to stand up and speak, and say, I'm here because of this, this is what I want to achieve, or ask a question, share a concern, or especially, and one thing I've discovered recently is a lot of people don't speak English as a first language, and they're looking to develop that confidence in just introducing themselves, trying to pitch their business and ask for help. So I, I, I have run a couple of sessions specifically for people who are learning English as a, as a second language, which is what I've done in schools for all those years. So it really does come, come back to the fore now. And like you say, it, it's just giving that space for people to have that opportunity. Like I once had, I had a safe space where I could really start to, to practice and hone my speaking skills. Again, if I can now pay that forward to people so they can have the same opportunity and I wear out my life doing that, then that's, that's why I'm here. And what's the mission, Simon? Where are you taking it from here? So at the moment, I'm working on a number of online courses. I'm looking to launch those later in the year. I currently deliver masterclasses live on a weekly or bi-weekly basis, but if I can eventually get those into course format and allow people the autonomy to access them at will and work through them at their own pace and stay in touch with them in that way, then I would much prefer that. So probably June, July, August, I'm looking to get all of those launched onto a new website so people can have that opportunity again, another chance to have a safe space to, to work on those fears and those concerns. That's the big project at the moment. And I think if that eventually allows me to, to generate a, a passive income stream that allows me to, to again, reinvest and uh, help more people. Uh, ultimately, I would like to possibly go part-time teaching, not do it full-time and, and maybe invest in property. That's, that's one thing I would like to do further down the line. And I think that's, that's the distant dream. That's the vision that I'm working towards because, again, it's about giving my family the best life that, that they can have but also being able to enjoy my work without needing to work so intensively and, and so full-time. You know, school and teaching is demanding. It's a difficult profession. It takes a lot of hours, and if I can eventually still enjoy it but, but do a bit less of it, then that would be the, the ultimate goal, I think. There's a bit more of a hybrid, and I think we've all experienced that through lockdown. We want to do bits of the best of everything that we enjoy and, uh, and still find it fulfilling. So that's the, uh, that's the distant vision, I think. And what have been your lockdown lessons? What have you learned about yourself? I think one of the biggest things I've learned during lockdown is the need for communication. And I say that simply because we live in a world now, technologically speaking, where we're more connected than ever. But socially, we've had to be distant for a time. And I, I absolutely hate the phrase, despise the phrase social distancing. I don't like it at all. Physical distancing, I understand, but socially, we need each other now more than ever. And in an age where you can hop onto Google and ask life's most difficult questions and have something of an answer in 0.3 of a second, there's less of a need to, to reach out to people and the ones that you love and the ones that you care about and the ones that you admire. But one of the things I've really been struck by is how valuable and how irreplaceable people are. When you really have questions and concerns about life, business, anything that you're going through, there is somebody out there who's got an answer or an experience that can help you. 
So one of the reasons why the podcast that I run has taken a completely different direction in the last 12 months is because I asked the question, those people have come on and those conversations have just been absolutely wonderful and people have shared and, and have given their stories and those are conversations again without which my life would have been left a little bit colder a little bit emptier but because I've had those conversations they've added something immense to my life and therefore by default anybody that that listens and I am so glad that I took the opportunity to talk to as many people as I could because I just feel like my life's been better for it and so if somebody is feeling lonely and isolated and like they don't have connections then through any medium you've got your hands on or you have the knowledge to use even if it's a pen and a paper and a stamp write communicate talk to somebody and you will have a window opened into the world and somebody else's life and recognize that in fact you're only as alone as you make yourself yeah absolutely and it's you know seeing how the communication I mean, for me I, I launched this show for similar reasons it was a bringing connection it was bringing about answers to the questions that I know so many people are asking and often we ask in the same questions and we don't know who to ask them of or, or how to ask them of ourselves and for me focus on why was all about just giving us the time and the space to be able to do that and then by bringing on other people onto the show, it was an opportunity to, to inspire, to uplift, to motivate others who may be, for whatever reason, struggling. And I know that you know we're, we're over sort of 150 episodes now. It's been an incredible opportunity for people to share why they do what they do. And everyone is unique. Everyone's journey is different. But I do feel that by sort of piecing Together, I am creating almost a giant jigsaw of all of these different components that all come together because, as you say, we are all connected. Yeah, my um, my grandfather, uh, I, I, I admired greatly, he passed away when I was 13. But at his funeral, he, he had a poem read out called The Weaver. And my grandfather was a, worked in the textile industry in Burstall, so it was a very fitting poem. And, and The Weaver, essentially, is a poem about somebody uh, who gets to the end of their life and, and wants to know the meaning of it. And it's essentially that uh, this person uh, says that uh, my life's but a weaving and I can't understand all the, the colours and the threads. And, and he's basically talking about God and he says, um, not till the loom is silent and the shuttle cease to fly will the God unroll the canvas and explain the reasons why the dark threads are as needful in the weaver's skillful hand as the threads of gold and silver and the pattern he has planned. And, and sometimes we, in foolish pride, forget that we see the underside while whoever's working on a plan up there sees the upper and the picture is obviously more beautiful on, on the upper side. Now, you might believe in a, in a God or a universe or whatever there is up there, but I think the, the message of that poem is incredibly powerful, which is that some days we will have golden days or silver days like those threads in a tapestry where we think, that was meant to be that was wonderful that's an incredible day and then other days we might have a darker thread a black thread a really disappointing disheartening discouraging day and it's about recognizing that the most beautiful masterpiece has strokes of gold and strokes of darkness in it and it's what gives it that contrast that when you stand back from the painting you can see it in all its glory but we might be beyond this life before we we get to realize what legacy we left but 
that poem has always stayed with me, partly because it was so close to our family and, and to my grandfather, but because of the message. And so whenever I, I have a bad day, I just sometimes have to say to myself, that was a dark thread. Um, but tomorrow there might be a golden one or there might be a different coloured one and we just have to get up and see what, what the day will bring. Um, I appreciate life in recent times and recent months may have brought more dark threads for people than they would have wanted, but maybe this is a particular focused part of the picture and perhaps there will be lighter parts ahead, but I think it's just remembering with perspective that we may not see the whole picture yet, but every time a new piece goes in, we just get that little bit more perspective, that little bit more understanding, and gradually it, it will come. I love that. I love the tapestry of life metaphor that you share there. It's 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 beautiful, and it is so true. It is it is really interesting. And when we talk about the different threads that follow us through life, I'm I'm just thinking of the thread of you being that 16 year old with stage fright. And had you had a little bit more confidence and not really had the issue, you wouldn't have needed to fill that void. No. And, and I've read somewhere that uh, sometimes we only understand the valley of sorrow from the mountain of future experience when you've climbed out of it. And I think that's where I am now to an extent. My journey is far from finished and, and the mountain to climb is still very steep and very long. But I can look back now on experiences I've had before in my life that were dark times. And I can look on them now with a little bit more understanding. And, and like you say, that 16-year-old boy crumbling on that stage in a West Yorkshire assembly hall, I, I can look at him now with a little bit of, of sympathy, but also with a little bit of gratitude to say, well, that's where you started from. And you, in fact, had that need, that need to learn, that need to grow, that need to experience. And it was essentially being that 16-year-old boy that led me to be this 29-year-old man. Birthday last week. I nearly forgot my age then. But that that really does make me realize that that life is a sequence of experiences. Some will be challenging, some, some will be triumphant. But when we get to that point where we can look back and say, that's why that happened. That's a really great moment to be able to have. And then there will be. 16-year-olds, younger people stood on that same stage, crumbling, wondering, why is this happening to me? And you can turn and say, I stood in your shoes once, and this is what happened, and this is what could happen for you if you'll just apply these principles. And that's, again, perhaps why I have such an affinity working with, with young people or people that struggle with speaking, because I've been both of those groups of people, and there are a lot of them, and they perhaps just need a reassuring voice and if that's mine, then that's, again, why I do what I do. And there's going to be a huge number of budding podcasters coming out of your school. Yeah, I hope so. When, when lockdown's over, and uh, I've always run a public speaking and presentation skills club in every school that I've, I've been part of, because I recognise the need for it. And I also recognise that schools are pushed to achieve a very heavy content-driven curriculum and don't always get the enrichment opportunities that they would like. So I've always tried to enrich students through presentation skills and public speaking, but I also recognise that the podcasting medium is exponentially increasing uh, in our country and, and around the world. And if I can equip some students with that skill, then I'll start that in September as well. 
Oh, amazing. Oh, well, I look forward to it. And I, I maybe even get some of them on your show. It'd be great to, to hear their insights and their, their wisdom at their age, just so that you can use it as your reference point of comparison, not, not in a comparison that we you need to sort of see where they are compared to where you were, but just from the perspective of knowing that you've added value to help them where, where you didn't have that help. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. I think uh, that there are a few students I've, I've met definitely this year that have expressed an interest in, in wanting to do it. And actually to to be at the age of 13, 14, 15, 16 and saying, I want to try this, I want to learn this, I want to, to go down this road. If the opportunity is not there, you just create it because that that's what you do for those kids. If, if they've got a real passion for something and the opportunity doesn't exist, you just say, well, I've already got some equipment I can use. I've got the resources. I've got a little bit of time after school. Let's just, let's see what we can, we can do for them. And, and education really is about developing the whole child. And if one child says, I want to learn to do a podcast because I want to start a podcast when I'm older. Well, by giving them that chance now, what more opportunities could they have further down the line from having started sooner? And I suppose in a way, again, if, if there'd been a public speaking club at my school, would I have joined it? I don't know. Would I have benefited from it? Undoubtedly. Would I have needed it so much in the future if I had gone? Probably not. So again, it's me thinking about the need and trying to create a space that, that fulfills that need for people that perhaps didn't have uh, what, what I didn't have when I was younger. And, and in the solving of the problems of others, you find fulfillment, which you, you've already expressed how much you find your work rewarding. Yeah, I, I do. I'm I'm fortunate in that regard. I know that not everybody does a job that, that they enjoy. And and before people think I'm bouncing out of bed every morning, that's not necessarily the case. There are days it's very hard. Uh, there are days where that, that class does just get under your skin and, and you have prepared something diligently and it doesn't get received in the way that you hope. But if you're taking it as, as a whole, I, I do find my work fulfilling and rewarding and it does drive me and it does give me purpose. And Although there are days I'm tired and I struggle and I do feel discouraged at times, I never feel like my life is without meaning. And I think that's a real fortunate place to be at the age I'm at. I know some people look far longer than I do for, for that kind of meaning. Uh, and it's something I've had to work very hard for, very intensively, but I'm glad to have, to have discovered it now and, and to be on a road where I can comfortably see myself spending the rest of my life doing this kind of, this kind of work. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show, Simon. It's, and I'm sure there will be people out there that find great inspiration in what you've shared today in, in the dark threads and, and the, the more sort of brighter threads that you've shared. You know, it has been a really beautiful tapestry that you've weaved for us. So thank you. Have you got a, a way that people can get in contact with you if they would like to work on their communication skills? Thank you for asking. I've got several. Uh, if you are on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, or Clubhouse, you can find me at underscore Simon Speaks. I had to try and get a handle that was, was consistent across all the platforms. So it's at underscore Simon Speaks. My website is simonspeaks.co.uk and my email address is simon at simonspeaks.co.uk. So you can get to in touch with me through any of those mediums. And I'm fairly active on, especially on LinkedIn and Instagram. So do please drop a message or you can email me through the website or direct uh, if you want to discuss developing your communication skills. I would be more than happy to have that conversation.
Perfect. Well, I'll make sure all of that goes into the show notes so the people they didn't catch it can just look there. So no problem. Again, Simon, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for sharing your insights and your your mission and your why. And you're some very personal recollections there. So thank you for that. Have you got some final words for the audience, please? If you are sitting there at the moment thinking that the world is bleak, the future doesn't look very bright and you don't have much hope, you're not alone. Even if you feel you are alone, you're not alone because there will be people out there who are either going through the same thing or who have been through the same thing. And there is incredible power in conversation. And I said before, there's, there's fear at one end, there's confidence at the other end and everything in between is courage. What I would invite people to do is to consider their next decision in terms of how much they feel they're able to do in terms of exercising courage. Is that picking up the phone? Is it sending a message to somebody? Is it reading some uplifting material or some practical material that will help give them some advice on their current situation? Is it ringing the Samaritans if you need that level of support? Is it getting some, some mental health uh, counseling or, or support, which I've benefited from in, in my own life? Think about what that next decision is going to be. And I can only say that there is no shortcut. There is no fast track. But if you can exercise a particle of courage enough to take that first decision, there is a way out and there is a way up and there is a way to a more fulfilled, happier life. But it will come when you choose it. And you have to choose to start that journey. And everyone always says the journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step. So what is that first step? Exercise the courage to take that first step and you have no idea where that journey could end. Thank you for listening to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson, and if you've enjoyed this episode, please leave me a five-star Apple podcast review. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook, and become a member of my inspiring, uplifting, and positive Focus on Why Facebook group. I help people to focus on their why with clarity, uniting their passion with their purpose with a plan to create the life they truly desire. If you would like me to help you focus on your why, then please book a free 20-minute coaching call via candidly.com forward slash Amy Rowlandson. And if you haven't already, please sign up for the Friday Focus weekly newsletter via my website, amyrowlandson.com. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why.